A remarkable element of Swedenborg's spiritual awakening is how it opened up contact for him with spirits from other planets in the universe. These beings are not wholly alien, though, but have spiritual qualities which give insight into the nature of the human mind. This week, Inside Off the Left Eye, we dig into what Swedenborg learned about a certain group of spirits from another planet. We've long thought to make a show on the topic, and now we're plunging in. With the help of Dr. Jonathan Rose, we'll explore what happened to Swedenborg on September 23rd, 1748, and together hatch a vision for a calculus of usefulness. Hey, Curtis Childs, how are you doing? I'm good. I I didn't know what to pack for any sort of adventure, so I didn't bring anything. (laughs) Okay, well, that's good. Just your your open heart and your inquisitive mind because... Right. Yes, I did bring those. Okay, good. Because, yes, we are doing a new sort of show, which will be... A, I'm really excited to try out this episode uh, and share it with our audience. And because the theme or the idea is to use this podcast as a way to go into our archive, but not of shows that were made, you know, anybody can go on YouTube and find find all the shows that we've made there, but we always have ideas for shows that not all of them get made, you know? So we'll do these topic brainstorms that we've done in the past and sometimes it's almost heartbreaking because you're like, "Wow, that's such an interesting topic. It would be so great to do a show on that." You know, but just things don't work out or it sort of doesn't quite fit the style of a show or something. And so we have these off-the-left-eye shows that never were made. So I have one that I've picked that we can talk about, and and it'll almost be like we're bringing our listeners along this sort of real-time manufacturing process of the content of an off-the-left-eye YouTube show. Sound good? Yes, where shows get a second chance. Yes, because <laughs> there are these good topics, and We'll go on this little journey now and and see where it takes us. And maybe, you know, we'll even, by the end of it, have an idea for a real show that we could make. Let's do it. So this first one is broadly aligned with the topic of math. You know, we've actually, we've dreamed up sort of so many shows that we could do on math because Swedenborg says... Actually, you know, you might not guess it, but so many interesting things about numbers. Yes, it just stopped short because we don't know how to do math. It does take that, but <laughs> at least we, we've got we've got professionals we can talk to sometimes. And so, yeah, we did do a show on the spiritual meaning of numbers, which actually has you know consistently for years been one of our top performing shows. That yes, spiritual very meaning popular. of numbers, and even we dug a little bit into what Swedenborg says. Some interesting things about the Fibonacci sequence in our Spirals of the Spirit show, which was really interesting. Right. And and there was a sort of numbers or the concept of ratios that played into our show, The Spiritual Force Behind Music, you know? Okay. So we've dabbled. Yes. And and yet the you know, the possibilities just seem sort of infinite. I remember it wasn't the spiritual meaning of numbers show that we even used there's this odd moment where Swedenborg gives a numerical equation and says that it's like a phrase that 
angels will use, you know, because it has this meaning to it. So sort of angels speaking in numbers is even something Swedenborg describes. And how cool to have a system that is comprehensive enough that it both covers angels and equations. I think it's sort of been an either or in people's minds, like the either the universe abides by mathematical law and you dive into that world or you believe in kind of more of a, you know, fantastical angel filled yes. universe, but they speak each other's language. That's right. That order that's in the universe. And so there's one numerical mention, which Swedenborg makes that really has eluded us in terms of how to incorporate it into a show. But what he describes is so fascinating. So I'm wondering if you, Curtis, right on the spot, can guess that mention that I'm talking about. I don't, it's probably, who knows if you'll think of it. Oh man. I, so I would have thought it was that, that phrase, which meant something like God, God be with you or something like that. Yes. Yes. You're right. But that did make it into a show. So there's something else. No, I, I have no, no idea. Okay. It was these spirits from another planet that Swedenborg says are interested in something that he calls the ninth use. Right. Yes, the mystery of the ninth use. And so there's sort of this double entendre, just like we were talking about. There's like, what does it, what does it mean to be the ninth use? There's this number nine going on. But then also Swedenborg's concept of usefulness. Are there sort of layers of usefulness? And it seemed like this sort of potential, but sort of hard nut to crack for us. And so... So maybe maybe now it will have its heyday, okay? So here's where Swedenborg first makes mention of the and ninth use. Yeah. I just want to say to our listeners, it's not like we did a show on the fourth use and the fifth use. <laughs> yes. Like this is just almost out of nowhere, right? That there's this that there's even a category of numerical levels of use. No, I don't think Swedenborg ever talks about uses two through eight. <laughs> yes, right. Okay. Or 10 and beyond. For some reason, it's the ninth use. And this that, is, I'm sorry, I know you're trying to do the lead in quote, but just that this would point to this whole universe of, of um, philosophy or whatever is behind this, that, that he just barely skates over in one passage, but it implies yeah, that there's this whole science to it. I think the, it points to a full complete world that he's describing rather than it being something that just lives within the bounds of his books. Oh, yes. And so we are going to be uh, taking a dip into that sort of world of infinite depth right now. And where these numbers, where he does speak about it actually in a few numbers, and it's in his work, Spiritual Experiences, and where we had in our notes for our topic brainstorm was the ninth use, you know, Spiritual Experiences 3901 where there's this, you know, intriguing mention. Swedenborg writes, While I was copying the passages concerning the spirits of an earth in the starry universe who progress even to the ninth use, they were present with me. So it's like, what's that ninth use? But he cross-references another selection of passages in his spiritual experiences earlier in Numbers um, 3270 and following. When you follow that reference, the story actually begins all the way back at 3267. And I was so pleased to find this is one of those times where he's writing about something that's happening to him and including a date. So he puts a date on it. And it was September 23rd, 1748. 
And so as we've sort of learned through our study in this podcast, he's pretty thick into his spiritual awakening at this point and even like right on the cusp of beginning to write Secrets of Heaven. So he says, about the inhabitants of a certain other world or universe in the starry heaven. There was a volume, as it were, of spirits. So sort of meaning this presence that he's sensing, not as compact as the volume of other spirits, thus more or less separated and quite stretched out in breadth and length, of which I became aware in the earth beneath me. So he has some sort of a sensing of this volume of spirits nearby him. Yeah, and we're a little opaque already, that these spirits (laughs) are stretched out. Are they inside the ground below him? This is good. This is a classic spiritual diary. It is. From this, I recognized that it was a certain race of spirits unknown to me, This volume was trying to struggle upwards, thus to come hither, but it was unable, or those spirits were unable. There ever appeared to be some earthen obstacle so that they could not struggle out. So I realized they had a different nature, not compatible with the nature of the spirits of this earth. For right away there was something in the way. So it seems like they're trying to connect to Swedenborg and he's noticing that and yet they're they're not able to for some reason. Yeah, like either it's something because he's a spirit from this earth, he's putting up that earthen barrier involuntarily or maybe he has other earth spirits with him or something. Yeah. So he says, they kept on by stretching, but still going from different directions, the volume seeking or them seeking for a place where they could struggle out, but for quite some time in vain. Oh, and he says, in order to have spirits whom they could join with so that they could come to me. So they're trying to find, like, where's where are some spirits that are associated with you, the Swedenborg person, that we can connect to enough so that we can kind of talk to you? Yeah, so, inter- intermediaries. Yes, like needing to go through a network. So finally, toward the planet Mars, so this is interesting because... He sort of is suggesting that the spirits from different planets kind of had a location around him. I mean, spiritually speaking. Um, But he says, toward the planet Mars, I don't know what direction that is. And there on one side, they found a more accessible place for struggling out. Yet it was still an obscure place because such spirits are not found there either. Only those that are nevertheless compatible to some degree. So they sort of found, it's like trying to find reception, you know, like wiggling the bunny ears. But like, <laughs> and where where is Swedenborg's frame of reference cuz when, when has, what's the last time you Chelsea said okay we we'll just go go towards Mars for 3 miles and then to, <laughs> I know. I know. So okay it's it, it's he's just he's got a certain uh radar screen or something that allows him to take all this in somehow. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, like the way he always is orienting things to the parts of his body. You know, I've never heard of him aligning the planets with certain parts of his body, too. But that I wonder if there's some connection there. When he's in his state where he can connect with spirits from other planets, is he just keenly aware of the planets? Who knows? Yes. So from there, they finally found some sort of point of connection or reception. From there, they then spoke. First about the spirits of the planet Mercury, who were present at a distance toward the right, uh, about as it appeared to me near the border of this solar system. So he's got some orientation going on. 
it just seems like in a, in a video game, like you, where you're on the world map or something, where he's he's in Earth, but when he's pulled out into the universe and is think about these universal spirits, like he can see to every space traveling part of yes. his discovery. It's like he's in space mode right now. So about them, newcomer spirits and their assembly spoke, saying that they were good for nothing, feeling at once that their nature did not harmonize with their own. So these spirits who had just arrived are like, we have enough of an alignment with these Mercury or Mars spirits, but they sort of are critical of them at the same time. And here's what he says. After some talk and exploration, it was made apparent that these these new spirits who had been struggling to connect, pay attention to nothing but use. The first thing raised they do not care about, but the use of it, whatever the uses may be of any objects whatever, they want these words to be said, he puts in parentheses. But they do not stop at that use, but at the use of it, nor at the latter one, but at its use up to the ninth use, (gasps) where they stop because this is their nature. So there you have it. Well, that's very tangible. It's not nearly as, um, not nearly as uh, opaque or, or impenetrable as I thought. So, mm-hmm. well, and this is how how I understand it. When you just read it there, my my gut yeah, yeah. reaction was, so why do you have that baseball bat? Well, the use of it is to hit a baseball. Well, what's the use of it? That's use one. What's the use of hitting a baseball? Well, then you yep. can score points. That's use two. What, what does it matter if you score points? Well, that makes all the people in the stands happy. That's use three. And if they're happy, what <laughs> you know, like that. And but, yes. So, I mean, that's how I read it. I don't know. I know. Well, that that's the sense I get, too, that there's sort of the sequential thing. But, right, how many, I wonder how many examples we could come up with where we could actually go through nine, you know, the ninth use. And is it just sort of circuitous or how do you know if you're getting deeper yeah. you know to a deeper layer I it's don't gotta know. be so it's it's like the six degrees of kevin bacon but kevin bacon <laughs> is the lord probably <laughs> yes. and i bet that there's some orderly thing that by the time you've gone nine uses in you're working in such divine uh in such a divine space that Okay, we, we we're far enough along. Like it probably changes exponentially as you get up there. So yeah, it wouldn't just be like you, you're kind of like the use must not just be sequential, but bigger. Each level is bigger. Yes, like the, yes. There's a bigger use and a bigger use, and pretty soon you're talking about what affects the whole human race or something like that. Yeah, and so these spirits seem to have some sort of intuition of what the ninth one is. You know, not the tenth, not the eighth, but like that they're they resonate with. It's their nature to go to that ninth use. So I think that's so interesting that they, I don't even know if they're self-aware about it, but that Swedenborg can even tell that that's the case. And that then that, you know, that that's sort of part of the service that they even perform is being attuned to that or something. Oh, man. (laughs) And how I can certainly picture it, it does cast a clearer image of why they were so incompatible or sort of a a familiar frame of reference Mm. for why they were so incompatible. Like I think about when I'm in a group of people that are really interested in different things than I am. And even maybe they're interested in things that I kind of am not really that excited about talking about or even have a little bit of moral aversion to talking about Mm -hmm. like let's say gossiping about somebody or something 
Sure. And and I can just feel like, oh gosh, or or, or they they are into something that like some kind of sports or something that I think is too violent or something, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh gosh, I just don't, I just don't know where our common ground is. Like, what do we have to talk about? Yes. That and that's just like this little minor version of probably they're saying like, I don't care. I don't care that you're talking about this chair. Well, I, I, I don't. I just want to talk about the ninth use. I, I could see yes. that. Yeah. You're like, can we think about who's going to sit in this chair? What's the good that's going to come out of it, or something? Yeah. Yes. And so then Swedenborg goes on to compare them to spirits of our earth. Oh no. Yeah. So now, because they could not struggle out into the atmosphere of the spirits of this earth, nor into that of other spirits, only into that of certain spirits of the planet Mars and the spirits of Mercury in general are so far away and their nature is thus not compatible. And because they only want to know and recognize uses and indeed not only the uses nearest to the object, but those farther away, even to the ninth stage, therefore they could absolutely not harmonize with the spirits of our earth who do not, except for angelic spirits, even care about the nearest use unless they are uses that tend downwards, ending up in material, bodily, and earthly things. So I think that is kind of like just what you were saying about the sort of can't find common ground in terms of a subject of conversation or something. Yes, because it's it's also like, well, don't talk politics, because those spirits couldn't start a conversation with somebody who is interested in downward tending uses without it yeah. having to be a lecture about why the way you're thinking is is leading you away from heaven and is wrong. Yes. You know? So, and they probably don't want to start that up. Yeah, I feel like you could have like, if we could all talk in this language, we could have like meetups where it's like, hey, third use people, come over here to my house and we'll get together and talk yeah. or ninth use people. So yeah. he goes okay, on I'll, and let's I'm, see. I just am interested in downward trending uses. Yeah. <laughs> Downward tending, yes. I can't help it. I'm from Earth. <laughs> so I was investigating the nature of these spirits, for I had been wholly unaware that spirits could ever exist who did not linger at the nearest use of objects, which I don't know, it's like with the knife, you cut things. I don't know. But go on step by step to the ninth stage of progression. So the idea had to be grasped by an example. So he gets this exposure to these spirits and immediately is like, I got to figure this out, you know? So good thing this was Swedenborg. One example was therefore given to me, namely, oh, so he's engaging with them and they're giving him examples or he's having an inspiration about it. He says- I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Why did I want to know this? Or what use was it for me to know it? I at once then mentioned the use closest at hand, passing over the progressive uses to the nearest use or a sort of general one. But this they did not allow, saying that after that comes this use, which likewise progresses to their ninth one. The progression was also given, whereby I learned that it was a kind of multiplication of uses by each other, so to speak, until they arrived at their qualities and quantities and came to rest there. Whoa. So it is like higher order math of usefulness. Yes. Okay. It's a. It's more sophisticated than I was. Yeah. It's um, not just that linear sp- thing. Yeah. Speculating about earlier, but but it is this sort of exponential increase, and it that last line made it sound like once you get through that math, that by the time you hit the ninth use, you've drilled down into. We're talking about things at the atomic level, or this is the essential substance of this use, you know? Yes. 
Yes. Well, so he says, I was also then given a living perception that they are of this character by a communication of their nature. It was further said that on Earths of the universe, those exist who progress to the 50th use. <laughs> so <laughs> I really don't. Who knows? But that, oh, that's some on. serious like if, calculus of usefulness or something you got going on now. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting the ninth would be, what? There's that many steps. So there's the ninth use, which sounds like it's just barely comprehensible to even, even Swedenborg, us. who's yes, quite smart yes. for an Earth person. And I thought ninth, just just a second ago, I said, well, ninth must be like, we're really getting down to the essence. We're close to God. But no, I mean, <laughs> I no, especially if it really is sort of an exponential increase. The 50th. Okay. Well, there you go. 50th. And that there's this like multiplication. I'm so interested that that's how they described it, that that the uses sort of arrange themselves or have certain qualities and quantities. And so you're kind of thinking outside of the box to a certain extent or something. And that uses are units that can funnel through equations. Because you think of yes. a use is, oh, well, my gloves are useful because they keep my hands warm. Well, how do you multiply that by two? I know. It, or this this makes somebody, yeah, wow. Okay. Or lots cubit. To, lots anyway, to learn. yeah, right? We're, we're, we're building up an idea in our minds here. So he says, I also saw a man a little to the right, somewhere higher up, but only as a kind of graceful cloud, not facing toward me, only the left cheek toward me, which showed me a long gray beard, well-groomed. So he was an old man. And when I told them I had seen an inhabitant of, of theirs, as just described, they said they are old people and that there are such on their earth. They were pleased that he was seen toward the right side there, not toward the left. If toward the left, it would be a sign of uses that are not good. So sort of this symbolism. And when I told them that here there are nearest uses, then they said about them also that they are not so good for the reason, as I was inspired to think, that nearest uses to them are vague and do not harmonize with their nature. I discern also that they must relate to that kind of memory, which uh, he notes, like the spirits of Mercury, because they arrive in this manner at a higher knowledge of uses and only there find contentment, as is usual with the elderly, not that they are glad and rejoice in a higher knowledge of uses, but are thus content which I know because their life as communicated to me is like that. So, and then that's where he puts in his date, 1748, 23 September. Interesting nuance there that there's something about this. They're elderly. They have this contentment. And and it's not necessarily like putting down the nearest uses, you know, that, that having an object and being able to do something with it isn't bad, but that it's just not what they're interested in. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it made me think that, yeah, they, they're, they've got a certain part of the chain covered, but if right. you didn't have anyone like us who can think of the nearest use of an object, they would collapse much like heaven would collapse without yeah, Earth. Yeah, yes. And it seems like he equates some of their state to the shift in our state when we get old. Because he, mm -hmm. he says, just like elderly people are, more that there's something about the wisdom that we come into later in life when we're no longer in the passions of use of, I've got to make a name for myself, but there, there's more of this like sitting back and watching the yes. 
Jesus. the ducks in the park because I know what I want to chase and what I don't. It seems like he's sort of equating those. Yes, that that could maybe give us another way in to trying to think about what that sort of expansive ninth use level is, you know? So, oh, so interesting. So we've got this multiplication table of uses developing here and these elderly spirits that are very content, but it really feels like quite a mystery. So I feel like, you know, we could use some help. I think we should go get some help from Dr. Jonathan Rose, the NCE team, and they're, you know, they're always you know, studying Swedenborg's works and getting this scholarly insight. And so we could bring our research questions to Jonathan. Sound good? Speaking of wise old people, just kidding. <laughs> with, nicely groomed, with nicely groomed beards. <laughs> Actually, yes. Speaking of <laughs> nicely groomed beards, I, I would love to go um, see what Jonathan thinks of all this. All right, let's go see if he's, if he's in, if the doctor is in. Knock, knock, knock. Jonathan, are you home? Here I am. (laughs) Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Great. So, Curtis and I are on this deep dive into this subject of these spirits that Swedenborg talks to uh, that are from some earth in the starry heavens, and they have this affinity or dedication to the ninth use or something. He describes this ninth use, and... Fascinatingly, one of the numbers where he describes it is, you know, September 23rd, 1748 is when he's writing this. And uh, and actually, I was able to look up that he's uh, he has that first interaction and writes out all of what, you know, he learns about these ninth use spirits, which have you heard of them? It rings a bell. Go on. Okay. And then two weeks later, on November 7th, is when he's uh, he says that he's copying these passages about these spirits and that they're with him again. And so these spirits had been hanging out with him for a while, it seems like. And so we've got, first, we're sort of stumped on what is this ninth use thing? And secondly, I'm so curious of like, did this story... Where is he copying those passages? Is it going to go into Secrets of Heaven? Does the ninth use? As far as I know, I've never found it in any published works. So does he write about it? Does it end up in other planets or, you know? So I don't know. What do you know? (laughs) It seems like there's a series of mysteries here. Mm -hmm. Ordinarily, when he talks about some group... You probably know that when he visits people from other planets, he kind of categorizes them into two grand groups. Hmm. Uh, There's within the solar system and outside the solar system. Yes, right, right. And and he breaks it down that way in other planets, uh, which was a published work in 1758. Yes. So he copies material over. In fact, what happens is that he first copies it into uh, what we call in the NCE the end fields, of chapters in Secrets of Heaven. From the very beginning of Secrets of Heaven, he'll have exegesis of a chapter, and then at the end of the chapter, he has something experiential, uh, which is just cool. Um, right, the interchapter material Almost stuff. always. Yep. I think there's mm-hmm. a few chapters that don't have them, but but almost always he has that material. 
And toward the end of Secrets of Heaven, he has a long run about uh, people from other planets. Right. uh, Within the solar system, outside the solar system. And uh, then he copies this material uh, again. So in other words, he first writes about it in Spiritual Experiences, which he did not publish. Right. And that's interesting. And it's scattered. I think you were saying that you got some here, you got some there. He comes back to it a few days later and all that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and then it's fascinating that he, that I wasn't aware of that reference that he, when he was copying it, the spirits came back. I mean, that's really interesting right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That he's sort of viewing spiritual experiences as raw material or something that he can draw on to use for published works. And so Secrets of Heaven, this massive work on Genesis and Exodus, is published. And then he copies material, particularly out of those end fields, the Mm -hmm. end of the chapters, into other planets. But the plot thickens here because there are uh, planets within the solar system that he talks about in in both places. And then in Secrets of Heaven, he has six extrasolar planets, but in other planets, he only talks about five. There's one that gets cut. Oh, my. And he never says why, but the one that gets cut is this one with the ninth use. Whoa. (laughs) So you can read about it. It's at the end of Exodus 33 and 34 in Secrets of Heaven, but... Why does he cut it? It doesn't make it into other planets. Such a mystery. Another major mystery is that the way that he talks about it in spiritual experiences seems kind of different. He says a lot more about it in spiritual experiences than he does in Secrets of Heaven. Okay. That's often the case, you know. Yes, that's right. And there's a big difference. I mean, I've reflected on that in my own life. There's a difference between scribbling a note to myself— Right. Where I might use my own shorthand, or I know what I mean, or, or, or you know, even if I know a mistake, make a mistake, I I know what I meant, uh, as opposed to publishing something, which is a really big deal. Once you say something in print, you can't unsay it. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting how things change between an unpublished and a published work. And in the published work, the way that he describes this ninth use really has mostly to do with language. Now, I I don't think that's the full story, but when he's explaining it to the nice people in Secrets of Heaven in the published work, uh, that seems to be the way that he presents it. Let me see if I can dig up here where he talks about it. I think it's the end of um, Exodus 34. Um. Okay, so in in 10709, this work is so huge, it goes up into the 10,800s in the So this is really, yeah, far at the end of Secrets of Heaven. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're way at the end here. Uh, And he asked them, it's clearly the same people he's talking about, Hmm. and he asked them to tell him more about the way they communicate with each other. And they say that their speech did not involve the use of spoken words, but of ideas. 
And then in 10709, he says this, and hold on to your cummerbunds. <laughs> they went on to say that when they're talking among themselves, they advance for the most part to the ninth degree of use. Hmm. There it is. And that in the universe, there are people who, when they speak, advance to the fifth, seventh, tenth, fifteenth, twentieth, even up to the fiftieth degree of use. <laughs> so five and seven and ten, you do get some other numbers. They're still yeah, not every number. That. Yes. But very, very strange. Yeah, and this is really so, inconvenient. For me, because at the beginning of the episode, I was saying, oh, no, he doesn't. He only talks about the ninth use. He doesn't talk about these other uses. <laughs> well, he does, but only in the context of the ninth use. The plot always thickens, and it, it raises more questions than it answers. Yes. And so, now, I love the fact that he writes this. When I wondered what they meant by this, well, thank you. <laughs> it was a little baffling to him, too. Yes, speaking for they the rest of us. explain this means speaking on a level removed a given number of times from the matter being discussed. Huh. And they use the oh. following examples to throw some light on this. Wow. Now, I don't know how compelling these examples are, but anyway, <laughs> uh, when someone's in a place of worship and they're asked where the person is, they wouldn't say in a place of worship, but not at home, or gone out. Huh. That's when not helpful this, at all. <laughs> uh, no, they take it to mean that the person is with God, and then they think, oh, probably in a place of worship. For one who's in a place of worship is with God. Mm. And insofar as the person's with God, they're not at home, or they've, they've gone out. And they also oh, wow. take not having gone out to mean being at home. But this is stuff that we do in English all the time. I mean, think about Cockney rhyming slang or something. Yes. Where, you know, we use all kinds of circumlocutions and metaphors and similes and stuff. Um, well, my first uh, thought was that it was like abstract thinking, like really abstract thinking or something that that's. Yeah. But that that takes a certain mindset or something. Or that there's something that. Right. What, what's. What's worth discussing and what's not? I don't. I'm not going to talk to you about where they are, but what's important is they're not home. Yeah, <laughs> or they're right. They're that, with God. Right. From that, we can. It's almost like I'm picturing somebody who just thinks in geological time. And is there a forest here? Not really, because in a few hundred thousand years, it'll be a field. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if memory serves, he doesn't use these examples back in spiritual experiences, isn't that right? Is that no? He gives a very I, different. He gives a very different example about um, don't just ask what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Almost was sort of the suggestion. I yeah, feel like that I got right. Sort of makes me think of a child who asks, "Why are you doing that? Oh, I'm cutting up carrots for dinner. Why? why? Yeah, right. Well, because carrots are helpful." Why? You know, well, exactly. your body Children needs nutrients. Children speak in the why? ninth years. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's right. That, that was how he put it was, why did I want to know this? Or what use was it for me to know? Yeah, Which right. that, that could connect to that worship where it's like, 
well, where is he? You know, like, oh, well, the church is on 3240, you know, Main Street or something. It's like, no, where are they? I really, you know, it's like, well, they're right. they're trying to connect with God right now because the they're going through a, with a hard God. time in their life or, you know, something like that gives you so much more of a, right. there's a so living being Being here. in a building, does, yeah, I mean, that's the least part of it. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, what does that matter? Yes. Another example they gave was that when someone places another person under obligation through things that touch the other person's heart, they say, you know what to do, or now you are in it, or now it is in you, or some other phrase, provided that this is an indirect or remote way of expressing the obligation. (laughs) Well, that's pretty vague, you know. Like, yeah, you know what to do. He's it's like uh, I can't, I can't say I love you, but I'll say like you did good, son, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. you're you're okay. It really suggests that Swedenborg did spend maybe a lot more time with these spirits than he lets on in spiritual experiences. <laughs> well, it's strange though because at the end of this, he says he spent a day with them. Which well, wait a minute. I mean, oh, you wow. got a lot done in a day, a day. Yeah, that was September twenty third. If that was his one day. Mm. To me, this suggests uh, almost another headline here or a mystery, which is, I mean, we often labor under the assumption that Journal of Spiritual Experiences is where he had a lot of the raw material that he pulled for his published works, right? But Mm -hmm. here you have plenty in this published work, which I don't know the exact release date, but I think it was probably significantly after that Journal of Spiritual Experiences entry. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. yet, he has all this extra information in Secrets of Heaven. Where did he keep that? Was he just remembering it? Or does he have some other secret, secret notebook that we never saw? How how could he have stored all those details up for so long? Did the spirits come back again, again? Right. He was writing about yeah this is 1756 which is eight years later yes okay and he's right? not i know he's smart but is he really sitting on that for eight years so i want answers oh that's really really interesting yes. he he goes on this is called speaking in accord with the fifth ninth 15th 20th even up to the 50th degree of use every time he seems to stop at 50 doesn't he, he doesn't seem yes to go he never goes 50. beyond 50 as far as we know which is a relief. Speaking uh, in accord with a degree of use is a customary and accepted expression in heaven, which oh. is used to designate the degree of remoteness from the matter that's being discussed. And here's a little fun tidbit. Oh. And what is astonishing, when someone uses this indirect or remote way to refer to something, others know instantly without stopping to count which degree they've advanced to. <laughs> wow. So it's as if it's kind of self-labeled, oh, nine, sure, nine. Yeah. I mean, you can always tell, you know. Uh, what if that plays into the efficiency of communication in the spiritual world, where it's like, well, if you're always talking on the 50th degree of use, then you can, you can say a lot in a very short amount of, you know, short number of words. Yeah, like, he, he, he does seem to say later on here that it, this is a fuller, several times he says a fuller kind of communication. And he does repeat the idea that you see in spiritual experiences that they can't deal with earth people because they're so blunt and, and direct. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and 
artless or something in their communication. Um, It's so strange. And then why would he cut that? It's it's cool, you know. Doesn't make it into other planets. Why he dropped it from another published work is is another great mystery. And so, as you say, Curtis, like, is new information coming in? Mm -hmm. Uh, God forbid, is he sort of forgetting what happened eight years ago or, or he's got a different version of it now? Did it change in his mind or or is he remembering more? Because he does that other times. At the end of True Christianity, he has an index of the memorable occurrences and he has new information in them that you don't get <laughs> in the yes. main text. And so is that part of his spiritual, uh, you know, his insight that he gets more insight into it. So is it really language? Is it really use? Does language just reflect the use? Right. I mean, it doesn't answer everything, but interesting that it's not only the ninth and the 50th. You, you do get some more layers that he adds yeah. in there. And it's one of those experiences where he'll, sometimes he'll remark in spiritual experiences somewhere, you know, even when he said, you know, I've realized that spirits can know all of my thoughts. You know, he'll write about it because it's this big new thing. But then, you know, I mean, in that case, he does c- come back to it. But something that is this amazing discovery to begin with just becomes commonplace because it's just so constant. And so, you know, right, just without a doubt, you know, he's just like, this is just the way things work in the spiritual world. So you wonder if he, by the time he's writing it, does he just have such a, you know, kind of it, it's become second nature to him to think in terms of these degrees of uses because that's just the way the angels and spirits talk about it or something. Yeah, so it, it could be part of a yeah a world that is just so constantly in his waking experience and sleeping experience that he just is in the know in the way that we there's a lot of things in our world news from different corners of of the globe that we keep up on even if we're not immersed in it every day and could and could write something significant about if if pressed uh, hmm. by an audience who doesn't know anything of that subject. So I, I want to give one more shot at finding a a familiar parallel to this yes. To, yes. To degree of use. And it makes me think about when you get to uh an executive mindset, like um, high up in some big corporation. I remember once hearing about uh, a gentleman who had been a CEO of a large company and um, someone was saying of them, well, he doesn't do details. And Mm -hmm. I I think of like, let's, let's think of two very powerful people meeting who are both in charge of a lot of stuff. And one of them says, Hey, we had that problem with the the site that we selected for our new headquarters or something. And if the other one would just probably say, "Well, we took care of it." And if they say, "Well, what we did was we went over and asked this guy and did this," it would almost <laughs> show that you're not used to moving in big circles. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. yes. So I wonder if if it's kind of like that that when it's it's just like the the the, the you know the, the the first use and the ninth use both have a place. You know you need people who are all in the details, but when you're moving at a certain speed, where it's your job to have the big picture view, hmm. you can't really slow down and suddenly talk details. And and you need to not talk details, or else you'll never be able to move at your speed. Yes. Right. 
And although the examples he gives in that passage are just seem kind of vague or indirect, it, there's got to be more to it than that because um, it's a fuller communication, so much so yes. that they can't abide people who only talk on the outside. Like, why, why would you even do that? You're missing all those other layers that you could get. Um, yeah. Really, really intriguing, and again, sort of suggests this kind of mathematical other world, doesn't it? That that you everybody knows. Oh yeah, you know it sounds like uh, the old um, CB radios, whatever they were. You know that you'd have to dial in the the frequency. Yes, yeah, to right. Pick up the, this is the truckers, and okay, we'll switch over to a different one or something, and everybody knows which which band they're on. Yeah, and I, it makes me think with your example, Curtis, of like, if we're talking heaven, you know, the business of heaven is to save people, you know, to connect people to heaven, to help them in their spiritual lives, to continue to support them in their growth and everything. And you think like these angels who are so close, you know, to the Lord and and like spot on in terms of, you know, knowing how to connect things to love and understand the purposes behind things, Swedenborg says, and everything, you think, like, they've got to be able to convey to each other, you'd think, sort of very quickly, this sense of understanding where people are in their spiritual states. You know, like, you can't spend your time like, oh, well, that person stubbed their toe, and then they yelled at their kid, and then they did this thing, and then, you know, but really it's this, it's like, you have to be able to get right to that, you know, some deep inner degree of use or something to be able to, like you said, be be efficient and responsive to be able to, you know, forward to the goal of of helping people or, or whatever, getting people yeah. the help they need. I, sort, I haven't ever thought of sort of angels in heaven maybe being engaged in that kind of a like, you know, because it's like serious business they're talking about, you know, yeah. and somebody's got to be paying attention to like, what's this? Oh, you know? th- think about the angels that have to, uh, you know, greet newcomers to the spiritual world, people who've just died. Yeah. Uh, they have to categorize and figure these people out very, very quickly. Yeah. And you can't just, you know, you don't just sort of take a life history and then think about it for a couple of months. You know, they've, they've <laughs> got to figure these people out really, really quickly. And so having some kind of shorthand, it's also yeah. really curious to me that so many things in Swedenborg come in twos and threes, that this nine and 50 is, um, I know. does kind of blow my mind. It's way beyond just looking at the purpose behind something, but even aggregating those purposes together to some grand, you know, direction. I don't even know. Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for taking our call uh, at the last minute. Anytime. Yeah. Giving us that information. So, you know, we'll be back someday, but you have, you have armed us with some awesome insight into this ninth use. Great. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Curtis. Wow. What a journey we've been on. <laughs> oh, we've been I feel like we've been to the ninth degree and back. Yes. We have. And so what I want to know, like Let's play around for a bit, because if we were to make this into a show, what if it what if it still had, you know, the potential? What 
what would it be? I just feel like let's let's sort of a spitball it or think about what what a show like this would be. I feel like it would be interesting to include examples of maybe going on a thought experiment of those of those ninth degrees. I think it's so interesting how he says the fifth, seventh, what was it, ninth, tenth, and fiftieth. So, like you were saying, bringing it back to those examples of like that's always important to have to have like how could somebody how to make this understandable for people. Yeah, for sure. I could see a longer segment where we're speculating, we're trying to make clear the concept of degrees of use, what use is, and then degrees of use using some of the examples he gave. And then I think, yeah, we would take every example that we have about something comparable. So like like you and I were thinking about the, the business of heaven and the mm-hmm. CEO type stuff, and maybe look around and see if there's some real you know, how to's, because if we could find some article that that's like how to be a good CEO and it said, you got to leave the details to other people, you got to talk like this or something, uh, yes. that would really confirm that there is this progression to use. Oh, and that's yes. just reminding me of where in something about old age and, and how our priorities change then oh, and to back up yes. Swedenborg's assertion about that. Oh, I love that. I love that idea of like, we come across something in Swedenborg that just sounds weird. You know, like, well, this is weird. <laughs> you know, the ninth yeah. use, these spirits from some other planet he doesn't even know. Uh, and yet, really, it's this window into a foundational concept about how the universe works. You know, how the yep. spiritual world works, how our lives work. And not only just like, well, that's the way it works, but there's a reason for it. And it's useful for you to know about it, you know, to, to yeah. sense that design and so I love that, that you could not only sort of show, well, this is how really good businesses run, you know, is you have these layers of uses and how that can be helpful to think in those terms. And then also, like you said, don't we see it in life, you know, like being able to value the different stages of life and then, you know, uh, and appreciate, you know, and respect, you know, our elders and the perspective that they can give us. I remember visiting my grandfather who my grandparents who lived in Tucson and whenever I would go up the mountain with my grandfather he would like always take time to be like now look out over the city of Tucson and you see all those lights down there and you know this is this is the perspective that heaven can give you you know like there's a way where you can see everything and sort of get it even if you don't know all those details that are going on and so similarly there could be a useful way it would be interesting to think of an application for how to like apply this idea for even thinking about your own life. You know, like if you have some issue, maybe sort of plot it out in terms of like degrees of, of uses. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I could see visual with, uh, you're looking at maybe correspondences meditation like we used to do where we show you maybe that view of Tucson yes. from the mountains and, and say, so think about your life in, in these uh, degrees. Yes. So interesting. And like, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I think we would also, also mm-hmm. we would want to take that one part of the Journal of Spiritual Experiences passage that you read early on where it's talking, where it's almost described this system of calculus for 
uses. It's just very vague, but I wonder if we, we could find a mathematician and say, does this like ring any bells for you? Do you is this like, mm. you know, what does this call up for you? Is there any, because there's probably, could be some mathematical analogs to that, that you and I aren't aware of just hearing it, but somebody who is versed in the field would immediately say, well, it's a little bit like thing X. Yes. Because it's interesting that this show, the mention, sounds so mathematical, you know, a ninth use. And we didn't even get into sort of the correspondence of nine, uh, which, right. it, you know, that that has its own correspondence. But I don't know if that, I mean, I guess it must apply here somehow. But, um, but then this idea really kind of is beyond math in a way, or but and yet still has this mathematical nature to it. So it would be yeah, very interesting to include some sort of a math aspect to it. Because still, you know, like math is to help us understand the way the world works. You know, it's a language of things, just like Jonathan was talking about these degrees of uses are like this, have these, you know, layers of language and how you talk about things. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's parallels there. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be a great show. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think it would be a stretch. We'd have to have a little faith to go out and and think we would be able to tie it up in a bow. Yeah. But I I would be down. I would be down for the challenge. Yes, and I love you know every show is really most valuable when it has like a practical element that you know gives something to people that they can really you know use to help them in their life and. It sounds like a sort of fun challenge to think of a way to take this idea and really turn it into a, a practice that people could could use. So yeah, it's something that's about advancing in the direction of uses, even if we're not going to get to the ninth use. But I think we could instill this uh, a tool for for people to look at whatever they're doing in terms of uses, one progressing to the next. That's great. Well, I I want to know from you, dear listener would you want to see a show on this topic? And if we were to one day make a show, make this topic into a show, what aspect of this subject would be, you know, what you would want to most hear about or have us dig into the most? Because maybe, you know, we could we could go in that direction and really make it happen. So let us know by tagging us at Off the Left Eye with your thoughts in a post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, or you can email us at offthelefteye at gmail.com. Any of those ways, we will find it. And I would love to hear what landed with you or what sparks your interest and what would you want to hear more about. And so we'll be doing more of these episodes where we go into our topic brainstorms and explore ideas that didn't quite get their time yet, but... And after all of these, it might be that, you know, whichever one gets the most interest, we will really make into a show. So you're game, Curtis? I'm game. All right. Awesome. Well, can't wait till next time. And we'll be with you all then. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Inside Off the Left Eye. Our goal is to make each episode entertaining, informative, and inspiring. Would you like to see a video on the ninth use? Let us know by emailing us at offthelefteye at gmail.com or by tagging us with the handle offthelefteye on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. A theme to these ninth use spirits seems to me to be one of integrity. I'm reminded of the phrase, 
Say what you mean and mean what you say. How might you live with greater integrity with your own sense of purpose in your life this week? Thank you so much for listening. I'm Chelsea Odner, and I look forward to being with you next time inside Off the Left Eye.